It's time, Fort Wayne. Your sports, your station. It's, it's the, the Sports, sports Rush, Rush with Brett Ruff. Covering all the topics that hit a nerve here in the Summit City. Only on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Now here's your host, Brett Rump. The It's hump day. Time to take you home here with the second hour of the Sports Rush here on 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Your local daily sports fix. I'm the coach, Shannon Griffith, sitting in for Brett Rump, who will be calling the Don's Wright State basketball game this evening right here on 1380 The Fan. Mr. Adam Lundy joining me as well. Hey, hey. As we said, big game for the Dons tonight at Wright State. Mm-hmm. We, our, our friend, our buddy is going to be on the call. This is a big one. We talked a little bit in the first hour of the Dons and where they're at within this season. Uh, got what they needed on the road win. You know, took uh, Green Bay and then unfortunately lost to Milwaukee in a pretty contested ball game. But now they're wrapping up heading into the tourney time, and they got Wright State and Robert Morris here, right, to finish the season, and then right into the tourney. And it looks like they're going to be hosting first round uh, of the tourney, which I believe starts on the 5th of March, Mm -hmm. first round. So Don's, Coach Kaufman and gang getting getting things geared up to go into the offseason, and it would be great for them to get on a nice little 13-0 run. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Oh, yeah. Because that would uh, mean they're punching their ticket. Uh, but uh, we'll see. Mm-hmm. They, uh, it's going to be tough, man. I'll well, tell you what. Horizon League's always tough. I mean, yeah. that, that's one of those leagues. It's a tough league no matter who's playing. And uh, there's always a surprise or two that you you wouldn't see coming out of the horizon. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's time for the Dons to be that surprise. And I'm not sure it'd be over a total surprise. Uh, I believe they've got the the group to do it. It's just you know you got to have some luck. You got what you make your own luck, as I said before, and get it done uh, yeah. and get the W's. But right here tonight, Wright State with Mr. Brett Rump on thirteen eighty the fan one hundred point nine <laughs> FM. Always remember breaking sports news and interact with our shows. Sign up. Just text us fan to four six eight six two. Be a part of that conversation today. And, of course, if you miss any show or you want to go back and listen to shows, Mm -hmm. you know, Adam Lundy does a great job putting these up on Apple Podcasts and other uh, podcasting platforms like Spotify. Oh, yeah. You can go there, download them for free, listen to them on your car like I did when I was driving back from Louisville yesterday. Love it. And uh, it's a way to get lost for a couple hours, I say, (laughs) when you're driving and you don't know why. How did I get here? Yeah, you kind of zone out a little bit, yeah. and then all of a sudden you're a couple hundred miles away. It's that voice of Brett Rump. Oh, butter, baby. <laughs> Speaking of the Purdue-Fort Wayne Mastodons, how about yesterday the baseball team yes. with an impressive win? Beat number 20, Indiana. Beat number 20, Indiana, 9-6. to six. 
Five dingers. Five home runs for the Dons. Shout out to Justin Osterhaus, Ben Higgins, Jacob Walker, and Camden Krasuski. Uh, they all put in some home runs there for the Dons for the 9-6 to win over the number 20th ranked Indiana Hoosiers. Yeah, and that's just another sign that we're heading for spring. Mm-hmm. Baseball season up and running. These teams that have got this artificial surface, we've yeah. talked about how football has benefited from that. Baseball's another one where they're not losing rainout games because of the artificial surface that they now play on quite a bit of them. Yeah. And they're able to play a game like this in February, even whether it's, you know, 60 degrees like it was yesterday or a little sunny and windy and cold today. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're able to get some of these games in uh, because of that. And the Dons were able to get a big win yesterday on the road against the number 20, 20 Indiana Hoosiers. And, uh, Fortunately, that that loss by the Hoosiers didn't follow them into Assembly Hall <laughs> because they got a big win last night with over Wisconsin, 74-70. to 70. Uh, We talked extensively about that in the first half of the show. Uh, but, congr- you know, it was about time to see a full game by Indiana mm-hmm. and the way they won last night uh, on, against Wisconsin, who's a team that, you know, has had their ups and downs. They play better at home than they do on the road. Uh, but big quality win for um, Indiana last night. You know, we talked, uh, you know, about the court storming there as well. The other thing that's been going on in the NCAA that has really drawn attention off the off the playing surface, more or less, has been this NCAA transfer uh, uh, rule. And one of them was. Um, Granted, last I think it was last last fall maybe, but uh, was an injunction that was in pass that basically when you transferred, you could transfer one time to another school, be immediately eligible, but if you moved anywhere else after that, the rule was you had to sit for a season. So it you know it was one of those things. It was kind of more a deterrent than it was anything. But a, a, a judge placed an injunction that now allows multiple transfers. So now what's going to happen after spring football's up and everything, you're going to see the potential of kids moving once again after they may not develop, things might not have developed out of their transfer to whatever. Let's say Indiana, for instance, they got a full quarterback room, four of them. O'Rourke, Taven Jackson, Brock Lowry are the upperclassmen. Tyler Cherry's in the in, in there as well. So those four are going through spring. But when you come out of spring, you may lose two because they maybe they're not going to be the guy or the backup. And I know that coaches don't like that. And I know that um, other entities don't like that. But <laughs> I saw the commissioner from the NCAA say, coaches do it all the time. Why can't kids move? Why, you know, why, why does it, where does it say they have to be married to someone for X amount of years when a coach could be there one day and leave tomorrow and then, and all that happens? So this is going to be an interesting case following it along with what's happening with the NIL. Uh, because now there's also a case out of Tennessee where the NIL, uh, the Tennessee university and I think another university ended up joining and basically what it said, they now can talk to, these collectives can talk to kids that are in the portal as well as high school seniors about the deals that they can make for them 
dollars and cents wise if they come to a, 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 their college or university. And while some thought that was a no-no, uh, federal judge said, no, that's perfectly okay. That's the free free enterprise system that we live in here today. But I see it as the, I don't like it because of tampering, because now you got a situation of a phone call happening to a kid at another school who's lighting it up, and it's another school that has a bigger pot to fill and can take a kid away from somebody because of the money situation. Thoughts on that? I mean, don't I, I don't know how you feel about it, Adam, but to me, it's really interesting that we've, we're in the times that we are, that now money and availability are now ruling college athletics at the highest level. Yeah, I mean, it's just a different era. It really is. It is. You know, and you just see this, it's just, you have it's a new thing that these coaches kind of have to plan for, honestly. And we've seen a lot of coaches decide not to be uh, head coaches in a lot of major mm-hmm. power conferences and take you know assistant roles. I mean, think of Ohio State, uh, UCLA. Yeah, uh, their coach is going to be an assistant coach at Ohio State, and UCLA is going to be in the Big Ten. And the Boston College coach, he Boston went up College. and he yeah. went to the pros at so at uh, the Packers. It really just adds another fold for these college coaches to kind of just have to consider, and you become uh, you know an advertiser, you become a recruiter, you become uh, someone that has to sell your program and sell your program to players who are already on your team. So it's just yeah. it's just a it's just a whole other fold for these for these uh, you know teams to consider. And now the coaching staff that's are off the field, you now hear general manager of player development, mm-hmm. you've got assistant player development people and what they're doing and they're getting paid pretty good money these these individuals that are in that role. They're basically the ones that are identifying possible prospects, both on, on, uh, at in the high school ranks as well as other institutions, and keeping an eye on their own kids. For that yeah. matter of fact, it's become such a bigger part of college athletics that it's adding a new dynamic to that. And hopefully, as I said here on Friday, I may have somebody coming. Hopefully, not going to say yet that we can talk a little bit more about that mm-hmm. uh that topic in general but it's an interesting thing to follow with the nil because that's such a new environment the transfer rule and how that has evolved right over the last year or two it's really like you said changed the face of college athletics and some would say for the better because the courts right now they're citing with kids mm-hmm. and other programs uh, as a free market enterprise and not trying to let anybody put a stop to it, um, I think you're eventually going to see kids sign employment contracts mm-hmm. with these institutions. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be things that are going to be in those contracts. But anyway, we'll follow that, keep up with it. It's why it's now it's important that we get to Adam Lundy to get today's <laughs> sports headlines because – there are sport headlines. There sure are, Shannon. 
Let me get these up here. All right. Well, Colts general manager Chris Ballard said today, speaking to media, that wide receiver Michael Pittman will remain with the team in 2024 and discussions for a long-term deal are ongoing. Ballard said if they do not reach a deal before March 5th, then they will use the franchise tag. So Michael Pittman will be back with the Colts in 2024 either way. Also, Colts news right tackle Braden Smith had surgery on the knee that had him hobbled for much of last season. Chris Ballard mentioned to media today they're hoping for a much healthier 2024 after he missed seven games last year with the injury. Well, the NFL Player Association polls were released today, and the two-time defending Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs were the second lowest-graded team in the NFL, ahead of only the Washington Commanders. This is the annual report card that ranks teams according to various categories based on the results of player surveys. Players were asked to grade the teams on a wide variety of subjects, ranging from team facilities to coaching staffs to owners. The Indianapolis Colts ranked 22nd overall out of the 32 teams. The highest grade was an A-minus for head coach Shane Steichen. The lowest grades were D's on team travel and treatment of families. And Zach Wilson's tumultuous tenure with the New York Jets is on the verge of closing after three seasons. Jets general manager Joe Douglas said today that the club permitted the quarterback Zach Wilson's agent to seek a trade. And those are your top stories today, Shane. Absolutely, and I, for one, think Zach Wilson can be a very good NFL quarterback. Shane, a scenery for him will be very good for him, and we'll see where he lands. Just want to bring up the text line. It's the Parkview Sports Medicine text line, 46862. We had somebody text in that they wanted us to mention the Notre Dame Fighting Irish men's basketball team. So they did get a 70-65 to win over Wake Forest last night behind... 31 points from Marcus Burton, so impressive win. And they have actually won four of their last five games. So yep. an impressive run, but maybe just a little bit too late for this season, but a bright future for the Fighting Irish. Well, you know, they've got a coach that is a graduate of Hanover College, played basketball down there, and he is a highly respected mm-hmm. man and I think will do great things at Notre Dame. Well, we're going to step aside, come back here with a special guest from the Fort Wayne Comets. Somebody that's going to move up in the number of games played coming Friday night against the Toledo Walleye. We'll be with that individual right after this here on the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. This is Mike Nutter, team president of the Fort Wayne Tin Caps. And you're listening to the Sports Rush with Brett Rump on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Yeah, spring season is upon us. The 10 caps will be rolling here shortly here. Before you know it, they'll be lighting it up downtown Fort Wayne. But right now, special guest coming on to us. And I say that because the Comets traveled to Toledo again Friday after a big win they had on Sunday, I believe. But this gentleman is going to tie Mr. Robbie Laird for the number of games played at 520 wearing a Comets jersey. And Adam, I don't know if you knew this, but at one time I was a hockey player, and my idol was Robbie Laird when I was a youngster. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. And he could do a lot of similar things that this gentleman can do, and following him since he's been a Comet. But glad that he agreed to come on and talk a little bit of Comet hockey today, Mr. Sean Sedlowski. Sean, thanks for joining us this afternoon. Oh, no problem, guys. Thanks for having me. And, uh, yeah, no, it was a cool little back there i appreciate that didn't know that about uh, yourself and robbie well uh 
yeah, those are many years ago. I decided to go the college football ranks and do all that stuff and coach and that. Stayed out of the hockey, but I still follow the K's. I'm a avid K's fan. I followed your career. It was a little weird last year, I have to tell you, that uh, you weren't skating around the Coliseum ice. Yeah, it was weird for both of us. <laughs> but you're going to uh, have a chance this weekend to move into the top ten of games played wearing a Comets jersey. And not many, you know, it's very unusual, I should say, for pro players to stay with an organization uh, even if you had a year separation, it's still the longevity of playing in an organization like you have with Fort Wayne. What has made that a special uh, link for you as a player? Um, you know, I, it's just something that you know wasn't wasn't really planned. Um, you know, I I always had the thought in my head that they you know it'd be great to stick with one team for a long time or not get traded or Anything like that, I think it's a, it's a compliment uh, from the organization. Obviously, want you to to be around so long, so it's something I definitely appreciate. And uh, you know, loyalty goes a long way with me. And I know it's it's tough to be so loyal in uh, you know business like sports anymore. That's why you see a lot of older guys, you know, maybe go somewhere else to end their career, or you know, other cases like me go somewhere for a year and come back. And uh, you know, because I think you know, if you stick with an organization that long, it's obviously. Uh, something special to the player as well, which it is to me, and uh, just ended up working out there so close to home, and, you know, parents come down and love it, and obviously, uh, you know, I couldn't have been just put in a better situation with the fans. I mean, the fans are something I've always appreciated, because obviously not playing in the NHL with the 20,000 seat arenas and stuff like that, it's nice to have a consistent fan base, which we have in spades, and it's been that way ever since I got here, which is obviously a long time ago now, so it's obviously something I appreciate. Well, yeah, and you're right about the Fort Wayne fan base in terms of their support of common hockey. Sometimes can be over the top a little bit, but that is what it is in Fort Wayne because it is a hockey town. I mean, I think that's one of the traditions that I grew accustomed to when I, you know, was a young kid growing up watching Robbie Laird play, and he played a similar style of hockey that you do now. He had the ability to put the puck in the net. He had the ability to to defend on both sides of the blue line. And at times when it needed, he could drop the gloves and throw fists with any of them. But uh, what this year going into this season for you, coming back, was there, I mean, was it a weird, act, you know, coming back into the fold? Or did you feel when you came back that it was almost like you'd never gone? Um, no, it was a little bit weird to start, only in the sense that there are so many new faces, uh, you know, coaching staff, uh, the players, everything, uh, not too many returning guys. Um, so it, it really did feel like kind of a, a whole new experience, um, or a whole new start, which, uh, you know, wasn't a bad thing. Um, you know, obviously this is what happens in, in minor pro, especially there's a lot of turnover anymore. And it just happened to be one of those years where, you know, a lot of guys decided to go to Europe and uh, other places, guys retired, stuff like that. So, um, yeah, there's a need for a lot of new faces. And uh, fortunately, I think, uh, you know, there there shouldn't be a lot of complaints about the roster. I think our team's still very talented, even though, you know, we're, we haven't been as consistent as we would have liked this year. But, uh, you know, for as young of a team as we have, I think to be in the position we are in our division is, you know, pretty impressive just because a lot of the young guys have had to just 
separate into the fold and be productive players. And I, I feel, you know, some of those younger guys are even doing a better job of that now that now that there's more opportunity with the guys we have called up and stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so it really was just uh, you know, a fresh start for everyone, including myself. Well, you know, I'm going to get back into the season here with one thing that I thought was really uh, unique on your part. Um, now, Robbie Laird played on a line with Al Dumba and Terry McDougal, who was number 19. And when they put yep. Terry's number into the the banisters, you had happened to be wearing that number and did it with class by agreeing to switch to an- another number. Um I thought that was a unique, special moment by a player of showing being unselfish because, you know, some guys get attached to jerseys nowadays. I mean, <laughs> they, they don't want they don't want to play a game if they can't have their number. Right. And you you yeah. you went ahead and gave it gave it up. And I thought that was a unique, special time. Uh, kind of how did that evolve when that was coming about uh, when they were going to put uh, Terry's jersey up in the rafters? Uh, well, yeah, and honestly, it's it's not really my choice at that that time. You know, even if I wanted to keep the number, that's kind of up to the organization, and they're you know they're honoring a player, and that's something I obviously respect. And just you know, I you look at his stats and you know his point a game over a point a game player, and uh, you know played back in the day where it was you know you know could say a, a different league or possibly a better league because I know they're you know the, basically the stepped down from the NHL at the time he played. So who knows, but, you know, regardless of the league, the stats are there, and he obviously played for a long time. And, uh, you know, it was, it was great on Terry's part, honestly. Once the team told me, the first uh, the first thing I did was, you know, want to call and ask him if I could continue to wear it the rest of the season because they retired it with, you know, a couple months to go in the season. So mm-hmm. I just wanted to clarify if uh, if I was able to do that and if he was <laughs> fine with it. And, you know, he couldn't have been nicer about it, you know, said absolutely keep wearing it and uh you know at the end of the year obviously i knew my part was to to let it go up to the rafters and not let it be worn again because uh you know if you do something like he did in your career i i believe you should be honored and uh it is such an honor to have your number up there so uh you know i'm happy for his him and his family and i'm appreciative that he let me wear it the rest of the day well i believe sometime down the road i think your number will hang from those banisters as well uh, with everything now, one thing about Terry, he had a nice fro back in the day. So did uh, Laird. They had the, <laughs> the the curly hair and all that, and they played in the IHL at that time. You could say probably it was more like prison rules than it is today's yeah. hockey <laughs> back in the old yeah. IHL. But let's talk the, let's talk about the here and now because you guys are definitely in a fight here going into the last few weeks of the season in in all division play. Um, you're really in playoff hockey mindset right now, correct? Yeah, no, we absolutely. I mean, we have to be. We, uh, you know, I forget whether it was a month or just over that so ago that we were sitting there, you know, kind of in second place, you know, by a few points, and knew we had played more games than than most teams, and you know, we went on a little little inconsistent month there, and then lost four in a row, and then all of a sudden you find yourself just you know, at the bottom and kind of just hoping to get in. And, uh, you know, once that hit us, it was, you know, okay, well, we obviously have to stop messing around now. And, you know, we keep losing. We're going home early. And no one wants that. And I think, you know, it's just it's part of the inconsistency is just the young team. Like I said, I, mm-hmm. I, I 
it's hard, you know, as pro hockey's hard. It's not like college where you're only playing one or two games a week. It's you're playing three or four and sometimes, you know, three and three days and right. it really does wear on your body and it's tough mentally to be engaged, you know, three days in a row because let's, mm-hmm. you know, let's face it, this is a physical sport. It's demanding on your body and, uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's impressive that they've been able to, to stay in it as long as they have. And, you know, I think a lot of the guys, most of the guys have improved. I don't think there's a guy that hasn't yet. So uh, it really is just, uh, like you said, it's playoff mode for us. We knew that a couple weeks ago when we saw ourselves sliding down the standings. And this past weekend was a, a big one for us, playing two of the top or the top two teams in our division and fortunately pulled out two wins with a lacking roster. So uh, that was a success in itself, but obviously that's the past and we got to do it again this weekend. And like you said, it's all in division, so we can't be giving games away. Yeah, you, you know, you come off with a great win uh, on the road uh, up in Toledo, a team that, let's face it, you guys have had trouble all, all year with and get a big win. A rookie comes in, gets a big goal. Fox gets, you know, just signed him out of the college ranks, steps right in and, and produces. And that's what you've got to have at this time of year. Um, and I think that's what you're kind of alluding to. These guys are starting to step up and understand uh, what that means to bear down now and and really play some uh, hockey that uh, you got to be ready to go no matter how many nights you have to play. Yeah, and I honestly, it's, it's good to see just because uh, I, I think part of it too is, like I said, with guys we have called up or injured right now, there's been a lot more opportunity and it's it's almost a matter of just getting that playing time for a lot of guys, getting to be out there, feel the puck, feel the pace of the game, you know, get hit, get a hit. That that type of stuff builds confidence the more you get to do it right. And, I mean, let's face it, if you're sitting on the bench all game and then you have to go out there and play a shift after sitting for 10, 15 minutes, it's not the easiest thing to do. And I can <laughs> say that from, you know, experience from whether being benched or, you know, when I was in the American Hockey League and not playing as much, it's not it's not an easy role to play, and it wears on you mentally because, of course, you want to be in the game and make a difference, and it's tough to just sit there a lot. So now a lot of these guys are getting to play, and a lot of them are stepping up, and I can see the confidence building, and it's really awesome to see because you're starting to see the reason why they are in pro hockey and they have the ability. So uh, we're just hoping to keep that building and keep that rolling. Absolutely. And the other thing, you know, with all this, and you talked about the, the call-ups and stuff and different lineups coming in, that's never easy as well because it's a new player coming into the fold. Uh, one player that came into the fold late here is Dan Amsbury or Diamond Hands. How was his transition into that room uh, and knowing that he was there not only to do some of the physical stuff, but... He has to have been, you know, he's been playing some regular shifts more so than you would thought have just because of the call-ups and injuries. What has he brought to the team thus far in that locker room? Because those, sometimes those are the guys in the locker room that keep everybody loose. And he's exactly that. Uh, he honestly came in and he was just himself from day one, which, uh, you know, you don't know what to expect a lot of times with with guys like him that, you know, have a lot of, popularity already or have publicity and you just kind of wonder, okay, is this all for the show or is this like, <laughs> you know, who is this guy? And, uh, honestly, I, he couldn't be a better human being. He's just a down to earth guy. You know, obviously he's, he's been great in the locker room with all the guys. I don't think there's a guy who dislikes him at all in the slightest. And obviously everyone appreciates the, 
the role that he came in to do, and he knows what his role is. It's, he's one of the few guys left that you know enjoys the physical aspect of it, and that's what he's there for. And and he enjoys it, and he enjoys sticking up for his teammates. And uh, you know, he's done just that so far. And yeah, he's he's getting probably more playing time than even he expected when he yeah. came with the calls and stuff. Now, but uh, even him in practice, I mean, you can see uh, like he admitted to it when he came here. He'd have to get used to the play of the game, and he just wants to. He wants to be more of a player too. He wants to to be able to be on the ice and not feel out of place. And honestly, I I can see his improvement in practice and stuff like that, just getting used to it. And uh, you know, he's not he's not the worst hockey player in the world too. It's like it's not like he can't stick handle or shoot or anything like that. So uh, you know, he's someone that provides a presence for us, and he knows his role. And like I said, just him coming in and being himself, and you know, having he's had some of the younger guys over for dinner and stuff like that already, and. Uh, just getting to know guys, and that's the biggest part. And, yeah, you know, he's definitely a part of this team now, so it's cool to see. Well, that's good to hear because, like you said, you never know what to expect when some of those guys come into a locker room, and it's good to hear that he's kind of brought some fun back into the locker room on a long, grueling season. Yes, and I know this is nickname's fun. Yeah, oh yeah, and uh, he he uh, he does provide you uh, that extra adage on the ice. Of course, finding dance partners nowadays is a little harder uh, than it may have been in the past, but he does what he does well, and hopefully he'll uh, get a get a goal here because I know he's rung a couple off the post. But, Sean, I really appreciate you joining us today. I know that uh, uh, being a part of the common organization as long as you have is an accomplishment, and uh, as a fan, I appreciate what you've done in Fort Wayne over your career here. So, Appreciate that, and I know that you've picked up a lot more leadership responsibilities after Adam Moisan went overseas. So continue to have that presence in the locker room, my man. Well, yes, sir, and I definitely appreciate uh, the kind words. Appreciate you having me on. Always enjoy chatting with you, and, uh, yeah, hope you guys have a good one. All right, that's Sean Sidlowski, who will play his 520th game against the Walleye Friday night Uh in or in uh, Toledo, I should say, and uh, I tell you, Adam, um, he's the guy you like to have on the team because you can just tell by his uh, demeanor that he's one of those guys that never gets too high and never gets too low. What's I mean, is that your take on the? Oh yeah, just a seasoned veteran. He knows yeah. exactly what he's there for, exactly what the team needs to do, and how he can contribute to what the team needs to do. Yeah. Yeah, and he's he's done it for a number of years and got a championship a few years back, and now he's trying to make sure the Comets get themselves into the playoffs here as the season runs down. Appreciate him joining us today. We're going to step aside, come back, talk a little bit of IU basketball with Mr. Dylan Sin, all right here on the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Welcome back to the Sports Rush here on a Wednesday edition. Coach Shannon Griffith sitting in for Mr. Brett Rump. The Indiana Hoosiers last night did something that they haven't done for quite uh, some time, is get a big win in, in Bloomington last night over the Wisconsin Badgers. I liked it from the standpoint they had a little fight in them last night. They looked like they had a sense of urgency and played that way, and it capped them off with a 74-70 to 70 victory. But to give us all the insight, a gentleman that was down in Bloomington, joining us right now on the hotline, Mr. Dylan Sin from the Journal Gazette. Dylan, how are you this afternoon? I'm good, Shannon. I'm good. Thanks for having me on. 
Well, you know, we got to get the resident expert in here to break this game down last night. Now, not many people may have saw this game because it was on the Peacock channel only. Um, in my household, I need one of those apps that you can go through and cancel all your subscriptions because my wife usually finds a show she wants on one of them. And the next thing I know, I've got a, a tremendous amount of money going out the door for streaming services. So I had the option to, opportunity to watch that game last night. I was impressed with the Hoosiers. I don't know what your feelings were. I know there were some ebbs and flows there. They lose a 15-point lead, but they battled back in the face of adversity, and they showed some mental toughness. What's your thoughts on that ball game last night? Yeah, I think you're exactly right with the mental toughness part. I, I thought that they played defense the way like with the first two teams play defense, which is really, really strong on the perimeter and then feeding everything into a shot blocker down low. Um, and that, that really worked. It was in the first two years, and it hasn't really worked to that extent this year. I think last night we saw kind of what the vision was for this team, um, and they really got after Wisconsin. Wisconsin made some shots. They're a decent offensive team. But Indiana really, in the biggest moments, shut them down. Six straight misses to end the game for Wisconsin. No points for the last two minutes. Really big stops down the stretch. I was impressed that primarily with IU's defensive effort and execution, which is, which is better than I think it's been basically all season. No question. And, you know, Wisconsin only was two for three from the foul line last night. So IU did a good job of being disciplined on the defensive side. And that's what I thought their, their game last night showed a little bit of uh, toughness on that side. What can you say about Kellel Ware? 18 points in the first half. He was basically a one-man show in the first half. He was doing everything uh, shooting-wise, and Wisconsin didn't have an answer for him. Finishes up with 27. Has to be one of his best ball games in Bloomington. Yeah, I mean, you saw why he's probably going to be a, a first-round pick in the NBA draft in June, right? He started by planting himself inside and saying, you can't stop me to Wisconsin State. And then once they realized they couldn't stop him, then he started to pull them away from the rim and shoot over the top of them. And that was, it was the, the versatility of his offense game has really impressed me. And I think it's what's going to get him paid in the, in the NBA. He can, he can score from all three levels. Uh, he doesn't have a great, a, like a huge bag of tricks from the post like Malik Renu does, but he's really powerful. He's stronger than he looks. Um, and he just, there was a couple of plays, especially in that first half, where he just got the ball at the, at the free throw line extended and just powered his way to the rim and said, you are not going to stop me until I get to the basket. And it was really, really impressive to see. Um, he, was, he was, like you said, a one-man show in that first half. It was midway through the first half, he had 18 points, and Wisconsin had 17 at one point. So really, really impressive from him. Um, kind of the, the type of game that IU uh, expects from him on his best days, and, uh, and he delivered for them. Well, Dylan, we're having that same old phone issue again that seems to creep in up every once in a while. So we're going to cut you loose here. And I appreciate you jumping on for that brief synopsis of last night on the Hoosiers. But I do appreciate you taking time to be with us here today. Yep, no problem, Shane. Sorry about that. Thanks for having me on. No problem, buddy. Dylan Sin from the Journal Gazette joining us here today on the Sports Rush. Unfortunately, we have sometimes there's a little phone connection issue, and yeah. and it's not always correctable, and no. and that's not that's the 
sometimes it happens, and unfortunately, from that reason, we have to move on. Sometimes you do have to move on. I do know that he's actually making his way up to uh, Trine up in Angola currently. Uh, he's headed up to their media availability for the for the basketball uh, today. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes you just get into those spots in between Fort Wayne and Angola as well. Yeah, there's dead spots, I can oh, tell yeah, you. I absolutely. mean, absolutely. <laughs> believe me, we had those dead spots when we've had ball games where we're trying to reach back here. It doesn't always work out. But the whole thing with the Hoosiers last night, yeah. and I think the biggest synopsis that we can take away from last night is number one, they played with some oomph, mm-hmm. they played with some character and the mental toughness stuff that they had been lacking fighting through adversity, you know, they had a 15-point lead, they lose it. Wisconsin then it goes back and forth for the better part of the second half. Now, the unique thing, it was 54-54, 10-30 left in the, in the second half, and all of a sudden, a fire alarm <laughs> goes off. Yeah. And they have to evacuate the entire Simon shot uh, Scott. Some, yeah, the whole assembly, assembly hall. hall. Just, uh, you got to get out, basically. And um, I know Wisconsin's head coach wasn't overly pleased with it because he felt it took a little momentum away from Wisconsin. Um, but I was more concerned with IU, a team that had uh, shown in the last couple of weeks a, a uh, I don't know what you to call it. They didn't have the being. They weren't as resilient. In the last few weeks, when it came to some adversity, punching them in the nose, mm-hmm. they came out of that little delay, tied in that ball game, and then they found a way to win it. And that's the thing that I liked about it. Now, here's what I'm going to say, and I'm sure everyone around the IU basketball country may be saying the same thing. Let's not get overly confident because the Hoosiers showed one game where they were resilient in and found a way to win. This is a team that has lacked consistency from the start, and it has been their Achilles heel all year when it comes to all that. But let's point out the positives last night. They were 10 of 15 from the foul line. That in itself was miraculous. And even more miraculous is that they were 6 of 14 from three. And that right there is the ball game when you think about it because – Wisconsin was 8 of 26 from the three-point line and only shot 43% from the field. That is it. That's the ballgame. It's almost like a reverse script, Adam, that we've seen where Indiana was on the other side of those statistics mm-hmm. and losing ball games. It was nice to see it turn for the Hoosiers. Hopefully it catapult, you know, catapults them into maybe a run where they can get hot here. But um, let's not sell the house and put it all on the Hoosiers the rest of the way. <laughs> no, still some tough games, including going to Maryland. Uh, they also still have Michigan State, who's a, a good team on the schedule as well. But they can, you know, avoid being one of those bottom four teams in the Big Ten ahead of the Big Ten tournament, which then would put them in a better position to make a run in the Big Ten tournament. Well, they're going to need it exactly to, to get into. March Madness, per yep. se. Yeah. Um, you know, the NIT world of things, yeah, they'll probably would get into that. And nowadays, that really doesn't mean much. <laughs> but they may have an opportunity to get on a run, show some continued improvement, enough to improve the selection committee 
that maybe would give them a spot if they can do something in the Big Ten tourney. We'll find out. Sorry for the loss of Dylan Sin here this afternoon. Uh, we'll catch him again another time because I'm, you know, he does such a great job in analyzing stuff for us. And, you know, it's just one of those things. And other than that, we took it and we ran with it and we got <laughs> what we needed to communicate today about the measures. Yeah, it's live radio, Shannon. You know, you got, you got to roll with the punches. I just, you know, one more thing about this Indiana team. I, you know, this this was a good win, but it, I just kind of am still concerned not only about the ending of this season, but also looking forward to next season as well. We're going to need another really good off season from Mike Woodson in, in the not the recruiting, but the transfer portal because I really think you are going to lose Kalel Ware. Oh yeah. So I mean, if and if they don't have someone like that, uh, then they obviously lose this game. Our buddy at Indiana Sports Beat, Jim Coyle, has said on numerous occasions that the portal for Indiana should be a gold mine in terms of what Indiana is and has been traditionally. They should be able to get, in some respects, the pick of what is there. The problem has been that hasn't happened. And that's the concern with Mike Woodson. Can he flip the switch, find what he needs via the portal, yeah. but at the same time build it with good first-year players that they're recruiting right now in some highly contested uh, recruiting battles. That's going to be a key component as well. Absolutely, and I, I do think that there's a little bit of concern that maybe Woodson and his staff kind of go for some of these uh, you know, hot names, highly battled over uh, recruiting prospects that are just kind of at the top of the you know, the the max preps, the things like that, instead of going for someone that might not be, you know, super hotly battled over by everyone wanting to get somebody out of the transfer portal, but somebody that really will fit what they need there at IU. Yeah, and that's one of the things that people have said that Mike Woodson should be able to do that mm -hmm. figuratively speaking, having been in the NBA and now in the college game because that is a representation of free agency and it just hasn't happened for him as late. But we'll see. Big Ten tournament yeah. around the corner. Hoosiers finishing up the season here a couple weeks. Get on a hot streak. Do some things in the in the Big Ten tournament. And then maybe, just maybe, they punch a ticket. But it's highly unlikely. We're going to step aside. We'll be right back here with a continuation of the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Welcome back to the Sports Rush, a Wednesday edition. The hump day is complete. Everyone is safely home on this Wednesday afternoon. Thanks for joining us here as I set in again for Mr. Brett Rump. Thanks to Adam Lundy and all he does behind the scenes with producing the show, keeping me within the the guardrails, I like to say. Remember, sign up for all breaking sports news and interact with our shows. Just text FAN to 46862 and be a part of the conversation today for the Mastodons against Wright State coming up right after the sports rush at 645-ish, I believe, is when we will yeah. do the pregame and tip at 7. Of course, everything you want is streamed at, uh, at 1380thefan.com on a for free 1380thefan app or on your smart speaker. Thanks to Dylan Sin, Kent Sterling for his always insightful takes on the Colts and the Hoosiers, and then Sean Solowski, a gentleman that is going to surpass Robbie Laird this weekend at the 10th spot for the most played comic games 
in, in, in his career here for the Fort Wayne Comets. Brett Rump, back tomorrow. I'm back in on Friday, Adam. Get ready. We're going to take you in the weekend on Friday with some positivity. Oh, yeah. But until then, everyone have a good evening. Thanks for joining us. This has been the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM.